Thank you, Mark, before I pray for you. Father God, we thank you for this man, this man who's your servant, dutiful servant, who sometimes is so humble I don't think he even realises how much we love him and, and want to thank him for the work that he does every day for us as, as the flock, but for, for you, Lord, it's all for you, and we know that when he speaks, the passion with which he speaks, the clarity with which he speaks, and we want to thank him for blessing us with that information, that wisdom, and Father, we know it must be a hard burden to take on that, that role of being teacher. But we're grateful to you for choosing Mark and for us having him in our lives. Amen. Amen. Just uh, while we're kind of thanking people, um, one of the things that really struck me this morning is uh, actually how challenging it was for these guys because uh, we actually have nobody on sound this morning so they've had to balance it all themselves sort it all out play it uh, get it all to come together and that that's amazing isn't it? and one of the things that I think is really encouraging is how more and more people are coming back each week uh, I don't know if you've turned around Cheryl and had a look but there's kind of a lot of people here today Um, but the truth is, because it, two things uh, together, it's summer holidays, and because there's, there's some folks who haven't come back yet, we are really stretched. We're, we're stretched to do everything. And uh, so, like, we, we, we need people to come back, really, uh, just to, to ease some of that pressure, because it's the same people uh, doing a lot of it, carrying a lot of each week, sort of joining up with sticking plaster. We We'd intended to project the words up on the backboard so everybody could see it because we're a different way around today. Discovered that this room is actually too light to project anything up there. So, you know, we're working through these things and the internet isn't always as helpful as it might be. Uh, so I just want to encourage uh, folks who haven't made it back regularly. I know some of you may be being one week, two weeks, but to, to, to help us really get ready as we, we return to normality uh, and to know what we can and can't do, what we are able to do come September, come when we get access to other parts of the building, which uh, hopefully will be kind of mid-September-ish. Um, but anything you can do to help. But one of the things that we, we are going to do really to encourage is because there's such a, an importance on us being together as family. You know, uh, biblically, you need to meet together. That's, that's the bottom line. But there's such an importance because it's a, it's a value we hold core to this church. And so what we're going to do is, uh, not next week, but the week after, English weather allowing, we're going to do something a bit different. So we won't be online that week. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have a, a, a big time of worship, uh, some testimonies, uh, and then we're going to ask you guys all to bring like a chair or a blanket or whatever you want to bring uh, bring your flasks of coffee because we're not providing it. But what we're going to provide, we're going to provide stacks of brownies uh, and we're going to just go out and have coffee together, share together and uh, be, basically be outside. So that, that's the idea. Uh, I don't know what the BBC weather is predicting for two weeks time, but guys, get praying. Yeah, you know, we don't want all them strong winds. We don't want the rain. We want the English summer. Uh, Either way, we won't be online on the 22nd of August because we, we haven't got actually anybody to, to fill that gap. 
Um, but if that goes well, if it goes well on the 22nd of August, we might repeat that again before everybody's back uh, uh, at the end of the summer. So uh, really looking forward to that. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, even though I don't like brownies, uh, which I know is, a, a, is the greatest sin you can have in our house. Um, I, I'm looking forward to it anyway, just to, to be together as a family. So we're going to be focusing on worship, prayer, testimonies that morning, uh, and uh, not so much on preach and get together, have coffee, tea, whatever you want to bring. And bring, what? Oh, we'll bring, bringing me biscuits because I don't like brownies, so that'll work. Okay, so. What? Am I on? Is that, do I look good? Can you, can you make me look better? No. Okay. All right. So we've been looking at this uh, series, this idea of soul care and how important it is to care for this fragile thing that we have in us called our soul. And that when we, we don't care for it, when we don't look after it, we end up with that soul fracturing. It becomes disintegrated. It's meant to be integrated. Your mind, your will, your emotions, the very heart, the very being of you. Uh, the, the soul is greater than all those three put together and it integrates all those three. But if we don't look after it, it gets uh, damaged. It starts to disintegrate. It starts to come apart. And... You know, all of our souls have been really tested over the last 18 months. Uh, stuff that we, none of us would have expected to happen, uh, both on a, a national scale, but also on individual scales, in, in things that have happened to us personally. And that takes its toll. And, you know, I've, I've really felt from God that, that we really need to nail this one about how to look after this fragile thing that we have called the soul. And what we've discovered in, in previous weeks is that in doing that, soul care is actually to breathe life into your soul. To breathe life into your soul. And, you know, I came up with this diagram, didn't I? But we looked at this passage from Colossians. I'm not, I'm not going to go into it again, you know, not going to preach it again. But I just want to remind us of the three things that... Paul says we need to care for our souls. So I'll just read the passage. Put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image you create of him who created him. Remember that, that when God first created Adam, he breathed his life into him and Adam became a living soul. And because of Christ's sacrifice and opening up the way to the presence of God so we can freely come into the presence of God and, and paying for the new covenant that we have, then we are back again in that position of being able to have the life of God breathed into us and for our souls to become living souls, alive, fully integrated. Where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Who's all? Okay, you can wake up now. Who's all? Oh, you. So Christ is in you. The Spirit of God lives in you if you're a born-again believer. And that means that the life of God is in you. 
And so what Paul is now going to say is, how do you get that life to breathe life into your soul? Because it's in your spirit at the moment. So how do you get it to breathe life into your soul? Three things. He, he talks about, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and blue, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. That's what an integrated soul looks like, a healthy soul. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must also do. So that's the first thing about a healthy soul. That we, you are not meant to walk it as alone. You're meant to walk it as part of a church family and letting nothing come between you. So that, that's important. The church family, your, the body that you are part of, and the body that you contribute to gives you life. And it's healthy for your soul. That's why it's so important that, that as we've emphasized for the last 18 months, don't disconnect. Connect because not just for other people, but it's healthy for you. So then he says, uh, bearing with, uh, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one called in one body and be thankful there's the second thing connection with the spirit of god connection with the presence of god remember christ has opened the way for us to be able to do that all of us and then the third thing let the word of christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the lord so that's the third thing, letting the word of God dwell in you. That means take up home, take up residence. And not only does the word of God take up residence in you, but your life is supposed to take up residence in the word of God. Not, not just so you, you run it and think, well, I, I, know, I know how to do all this. We actually are meant to follow the word of God, to know the word of God, to let it change us, to let it enrich us, and to dwell in it, to live by it, to live by faith through the grace that Christ has provided. And that grace is contained in, in the principles and the truth of his word. So here's the point that, that we kind of got to, that Jesus has made it possible for us to now be like him because he's the ultimate living soul. He's the integrated one, the perfectly put together one, the one where all these things work together in harmony. Now, here's the thing that I think is amazing about Jesus is he didn't have an easy time, did he? I mean, he, he had an horrendous three years in ministry where almost everybody seemed to be against him. Everybody who said that they were like followers him, nearly all of them walk away, drift away, you know. But when people didn't like what he said, they, they, they wandered off. When, and, and all these people who'd promised to be with him, when it come down to it, they're not there. And, you know, whilst we've all experienced stuff, you know, the reality is that Christ went through this, went through all of that, so that we could become living souls, so that we could have the life of God in us. And we could move from disintegration to integrated and healthy. Now, just like Christ, all this stuff was going on around him, but he was healthy inside. So you can also be healthy inside so you can be whole out in that world that is unhealthy. Now, here's, here's the thing that we need to kind of get about our soul. And you've probably noticed this. You've probably noticed this about yourself. I've certainly noticed about 
it about myself. Um, your soul is needy. Now, I don't know whether, we, we don't kind of like that word these days, but the truth is your, word, your soul is needy. It's designed to need. Your soul is designed to need, and that means that it can be unsatisfied. It can be in a place where those needs are not met. The question is, what is your soul designed to need? Here's the problem. We talk about neediness like that's the problem. You know, that person's needy. I've got it all together, but they're the needy ones. The problem isn't neediness. We all have neediness in different ways because the soul's designed to need. The problem's not that. The problem is this, that we are fallen. That we are fallen people. And the world is a fallen place. That's, that's where the problem lies. You see, what we've done is we've replaced the thing that our soul needs and yearns for. Remember, as the deer pants for the water, that, so my soul longs and yearns for you. We're designed to need and desire the presence and the reality of God. But we replace that with all sorts of things in our life. We replace it with uh, the approval of others, um, with, with fitting in. We replace it with careers. We replace it with uh, family. We replace it with getting on. We replace it with status. We replace it with money. We even replace it, you know, some of us parents, I think all of us parents have done this at one time, we've replaced God with our kids. You know, our kids have absorbed everything. And if we allow it, because our soul is needy, things will absorb us and take God's place. The Bible has a really unfortunate word for those things that absorb us. We, we think of them as good things. But the Bible actually says they're idols. You see, idols aren't always bad things. They're not necessarily sort of demonic-looking beings with, with pointy horns and all that sort of stuff idols can look like really good things and most and they are really good things a lot of the time but the truth is when they repla replace god as us looking to have our needs met by them they're idols and idols bring death to your soul not life because your soul needs god not the idols that's why, you know, you see so many people who are successful having car crashes of lives. Just, awful, you know, when it all comes out in the news and all the rest of it, they've just got awful lives. And, and you read about all these people who've got, had this incredible success and yet weren't happy. And however much we as individuals achieve, there's always this thing inside of us that needs that needs God. But when we fill our lives up and replace God with others, all these other idols that look good and probably are good a lot of the time, then our soul starts to disintegrate. That's why sorting all your outer world, being immensely successful, having everything you could need, uh, having everything you could want, perfect family and all the rest of it, People who are in that position still are unhappy inside and still are challenged inside because their soul needs God.
here's the here's the, the real challenge for us you see having recognized that and and we'll all recognize different things that are these idols that we've got in our life but having um what did i do with my watch there we are that'd be handy for you having recognized this we then say okay well i've realized that about myself so i'll just stop doing that and i'll change my life here's the problem your soul cannot give up its idols by willpower your soul can't give that up by willpower your your willpower will be exhausted you'll try and you'll fail and so you'll 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 come along to a great morning at church you'll be really pumped up again you'll try again but you'll fail because willpower in a disintegrated soul does not have the energy to set you free it only has the energy to fix the outside for a limited amount of time so what do we do what do we do if that's that's us and we recognize that in us well here's god's answer to the that problem of us being fallen and that answer is grace here's the thing grace is god's only answer and here's the good thing about grace is he paid for it all and he's given us everything we need for life and godliness so whatever we need to breathe life into our soul he's paid for and it's there and it's freely available to us you see you can't replace all these other things that you have thought were going to fix you inside by your will you can't just turn away from things turning away from things whilst it's a start does not produce what you need in turning away from something you also have to at the same time turn towards something so what do you turn towards you turn towards the one thing your soul truly desires and that's god you know we, we we've spent so long in our generation with self-help and courses for this and programs for that and six steps to this and and all these other things and all these things that we've tried to do as churches and as the body of christ to fix people and the answer whilst all those things are good things is the answer is that turning away from all that stuff doesn't fix you because it won't last the only thing that can fix you because it is what your soul desires is connection with the life of God. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to kind of spend the rest of this morning really just um, trying to outline that. Um, can you go on, not next slide, but the slide after. Anybody recognize what this is? It's a sinkhole. Do you know what, how, how sinkholes are formed? Sinkholes appear suddenly and houses disappear into them, buses disappear into them, all sorts of things disappear into them. That's kind of a, kind of a nice, smooth sinkhole, isn't it? It's, it's collapsed uniformly. Often they don't, they just like take out electric cables, train lines, all sorts of things like that. So what's a, what's a sinkhole? Well, a sinkhole is caused by water. Not a lot of water, but just water that drips down and it, and it erodes 
typically limestone underneath and it all comes down between these grains of limestone and collects in a pool at, at the bottom and it carries on doing that now here's, here's the interesting things people build houses and they build train lines and they put electric cables up and they, they put roads through completely oblivious to that that is all happening underneath the ground and over time the rain keeps coming and it keeps falling and little bits fall down into that that pond or lake that is formed underground and what happens is all those bits from the side one day the last grain falls and the whole thing it's, it's like that what's that thing where, where you stack the the thingies the the wooden blocks jenga it's like jenga you, one comes out and the whole thing goes suddenly and it can be within like a second it just collapses and that's a sinkhole and i remember this Somebody, I think, I, I guess, um, you know when somebody buys you a book when you're 18 or 21, and you think, oh, I'll read that one day. And then you don't, and then you get to about 40 or 50, and, well, some of you haven't got to 40 or 50 yet, and you think, man, I wish I'd read that, because I've read it now, and it would have been really helpful to know that when I was 18. And somebody, I think it was for my 21st birthday, could have been my 18th, bought me a, a book by a guy called, uh, I think he's called Gordon MacDonald. I think that's his first name. He's called MacDonald. And it was called Ordering Your Inside World. And it's that book that I wished I'd read, because I read it when I was about 40. I thought, this is good stuff here. Uh, but he talks about the sinkhole syndrome and how uh, uh, people who know about these things, psychologists and whatever, have identified this as very, very common in people's lives. So what happens is that you can be going along really wonderfully in your life. And something small can come along that wouldn't, have, wouldn't bother anybody else and probably wouldn't have bothered you before. And you've been swimming along in your life and then something comes along and the whole thing collapses in. And you go, this isn't a big deal. Why am I feeling like this? Why is, why is this happening to me? Why, why am I just absolutely flawed by this little thing? I've, I've dealt with this. I've dealt with things that are bigger than that. I've caught with stuff that's bigger than that. But why is this for me? It's because it's this sinkhole syndrome. Because, because we haven't cared for our souls, that last little thing causes the collapse of everything and we and, and, it, and it doesn't take much and you know we've experienced this you know a lot of people have experienced this in our society in the last 18 months um but it, it doesn't take much it's it's kind of like a cumulative thing the stuff's been building up and building up while you've been swimming along building your roads building your life building your career building your house paying your mortgage all those sort of things on, on the top and then something fairly minor comes along and the whole thing you just collapse inside and it's called sinkhole syndrome and why do we get there we get there because if you remember at the start of this these talks i started to, i talked said there's two worlds that you deal with there's your outer world which everybody sees and there's your inner world which is actually what's going on inside of you and the two don't always match and the reason for that is that the outer world is easier to see and construct. 
it's easier to deal with stuff out there than it is to deal with stuff in here. And in our generation of busyness and instant response and social media and all the rest of it and the speed of life and the demands of work and all that sort of thing, it's, we focus almost exclusively on building this outer world and, and holding this outer world together. And the trouble is that our inner world has been gradually and slowly building up this erosion until something comes along and collapses it. You know, the erosion takes on in our private world inside. So what's, what does God say about this? What, what do we do to fix that? What do we do to make sure that doesn't happen to us tomorrow or next week or next month? or next year, or whenever. What do we do? I'm going to go back to a passage, which I, I think was the passage I preached on, kind of the first or second week we went into lockdown last year. So sometime March, April last year. I'm going back to James. Remember when I talked a lot about James? Okay, so I'm going to James chapter 1, verses 5 to 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he's going to receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And uh, you might remember that one of the things that I said that I was going to do when I first talked about this, is that God had really put it on my heart to start writing a book uh, about James. And when I was, uh, so I, I've kind of done quite a bit of it. It isn't finished yet. Uh, but when I was going back and looking at what I'd looked at in this passage, um, I felt really challenged by the Holy Spirit to... Uh, almost see it from a different perspective and I, I kind of didn't quite get there in terms of what what was being said because you can read this passage in a simple way you know if you don't have wisdom ask God believe you're going to receive it and you'll get it now that's that's true that's absolutely true but when you look at this passage in the way it was originally written, it's saying something as well, which is much deeper than that, which ties into this um, our, uh, desire to avoid the sinkhole syndrome, to, to have, look after our souls. So let's just, uh, I just want to unpack this for you. When it talks about, uh, it's like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So if you... Uh, and not if you ask God to help you in your life, but then you don't put into your life the things that will allow Him to do it, you end up in this situation. You end up like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Now, that wave, uh, the word when you unpack this, the word for wave means like rough water, as you would expect it to, but it's kind of a a surge. We have a 
where we come from in the northwest, there's a there's a bay called Morecambe Bay, and there's a, a t it's tidal, and as it come, there's kind of a corner on it that comes into a place called Arnside and Sandside. And as you, you come around this corner, as the, as the tide comes in, these waves build, and you get this surge, and we, it's called the bore. And it's basically why so many people dr drown up there, because it comes in, and, and, and it's like you can surf on the thing, it's like a wall of water just coming in really quickly. And that's the word that's getting used here, like a, a wall of water that's coming in really quickly. This surge, this ball that comes around the corner and, and, and engulfs you. Uh, and then it, it's, it, it's kind of uh, agitated because it's, it, it's stormy weather. So it's a difficult time. That, you know, you, you, the, you generally, when it's a, it's a nice day, you can get out the way because the hooter goes and all that sort of stuff. But when it's windy and horrible and rainy, it, it seems to be much worse because the, the wind's whipping this thing up. And so when it talks about uh, driven, this, this word um, driven or blown, it means it's, it's agitated by what's going on around you. So there's, if, you, if you don't... Um, kind of put in place the things you need to do to look after your soul the, and, and the agitated times, the stormy times come along, you get engulfed by this, uh, this, this thing and you get thrown around tossed, tossed around now um, that word tossed is the word that's used for like ventilating fire, you know when you on old fires when you use bellows to get them to to, to, to flame up. So it's, it's almost like everything comes up instantly. So what, he, what he's saying is without putting these things in place, you know, don't just go to God and ask him for wisdom because your life's collapsed. There's a way you can avoid your life collapsing by putting these things in place first. Don't wait for the storm to kind of blow and so you get engulfed by this thing and, and your life falls into that sinkhole. So that's what he's talking about. And, you know, your soul, this need within your soul, um, how, how, does, how does the psalm, how does he put it? You know that, that psalm, bless the Lord, all my, all my soul, and all that is within me. And your soul, in the midst of these things, is crying out for God. But you can be only, only be healthy inside when you're connected to God. That's why, you know, when, when we look at it from this perspective, when uh, Jesus gets asked, what's the most important thing? What's the most important thing? And you can look at it as Jesus is telling people, this is what you've got to do. But when we know Jesus, we realize that the things he tells us is because he loves us. And, and the things, that, when he's asked what's the most important thing, Jesus says, here's the most important thing for you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and all your soul. By the way, that, that verse uses both soul and mind. So mind, will, and emotions isn't the totality of your soul. They're part of it. The integration, the thing that makes you you is your soul. That, that essence that makes a Bob a Bob. And a Brian a Brian. And a Beth and a Bethan. 
that, that, that's you, the integration of that. And our soul is designed to be healthy as it loves God, is loved by God, and lets that love flow out to others. So that's why Jesus tells them this is the most important thing. Loving God, being loved by God, and letting that love flow to others is the most important thing for you to be healthy in an unhealthy world. So how do I kind of take that passage? What was it that hit me about that passage? The thing that hit me about this passage is the last line. He says, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I don't want to be unstable in all my ways. How about you? Do you want to be unstable? For many of us, however, our life right now feels kind of unstable. And even if it doesn't feel kind of unstable right now, you can probably associate with that feeling when it, when it feels like there's just nothing solid. You, 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 you're, all, you're there and you're all over the place and you can't get a grip on what's going on in your life. And, and, and as soon as you start to get a grip on it, something else comes along and, and, and blows you somewhere else, blows you off that course as well. And we are not designed to live just blown about by everything that comes along. Now, here's what's really kind of blew this verse open for me. This word that's translated double-minded that's actually, the word is dipsukos. If you, if you want to know, you know, if you, if you want to quote some Greek over dinner tonight, it's dipsukos. And it's made up of two words. Now, the second part of that, that word is sukos. It comes from the word suke. And you're going like, okay, why is he telling me this? Because firstly, I'm telling you because suke sounds like a really nice word, doesn't it? It's like a cute word, suke. I, I kind of like it. It's better than like dog or rat. Suke. Anyway, so what suke means in Greek is soul. Not mind, it means soul. So what this is saying is the person, this unstable person, it, the problem is they are double-souled. They... They are split-souled or fractured-souled. They are not integrated and whole like God wants them to be. And so the only way you can be integrated and whole and not in this state of being double-souled and unstable and when the, the, the ball comes in, getting overwhelmed by it and thrown about, the only way that you can, can, can get there is by looking to God for the wisdom to heal you and put you together and reintegrate you. You know, that's why uh, some, when, when you, you look at this, that's why we have statements in our way of thinking and way of doing things like, uh, I feel like my life is falling apart. 
or I'm going to pieces. It comes from that idea of being double-souled, being fractured souled. I'm, go- I'm falling to pieces. I can't get my act together. Who associates with that one? I associate with that one. Can't get my act together. Particularly, see, we, we're different. Cheryl doesn't often get her act together in the early morning, and I don't often get my act together in a late evening. Once it's gone past kind of half past nine, I'm likely to fall asleep on you, and, and I, I get grumpy. But... At a, a wider thing, when stuff comes, you just it, it feels like your life falling to pieces inside. I feel so in, so tense inside. How many times have you said that? I feel really tense, and I don't know why. Or I don't understand why I did that. That's not me, but I did it, and I don't understand why I did that. It's because we have this 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 thing about being double sold or fractured sold. And the soul cries for that deep need for that to be healed and put together. Whole, healthy, and at rest. Here's here's what I'm saying, and this is the kind of bit I want you to remember. The divided life, this double soul, this fractured soul life, is a wounded life. It's a sinkhole waiting to happen. And your soul is warning you and get, telling you for connect, that you need connection. You need connection with God. So let's go back to those words. If any of you lacks, lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives liberally, to all liberally and without approach and it be given to him. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he's going to receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-souled, fractured-souled man, and as a result, he's unstable in all his ways. That word, um, unstable, again, it's a Greek word. Given the New Testament written in Greek, that shouldn't surprise you. And the word is akatastos. Okay, that's, that's not such a cute word. Akatastos. And it means that you live in a place where your life is out of alignment. Everything isn't set in its proper place. It's not integrated. It's fractured. And it's also the word used for when we talk about there being nobody in charge. Nobody in charge, not able to stand solidly, and there's no one in a decisive place for you. And, and just by, by virtue of that, what it's saying is we need somebody in, in that decisive place in our life. We need to, our soul to be anchored when that, that storm, that bore comes in. We need our soul to, to, to not disappear down a sinkhole when the, the, this small thing happens that we should be able to handle because we haven't looked after our souls. Let me just refresh you on some principles before I kind of close. It's the nature of your soul to need. We are all needy people. Being needy is not the problem. You, now listen, look at me. 
you are responsible for your soul. I am not responsible for your soul. The church is not responsible for your soul. And the person you're married to or somebody else in your family is not responsible for your soul. You are the only person that can do anything about this. You are the keeper of your own soul. You are not your brother's keeper. You patience but let patience have its perfect way that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing if any of you lacks wisdom etc etc you're like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind double souled fractured souled and stable in all your ways here's how you can recognize that your soul is off center where there's an idol in place of the god who should be there and, and it's in those verses because basically what they're saying is th th this, is, this is what happens in trials and this is what you're going to need to get you through life so that you can be healthy inside when all around you is unhealthy outside. Here's what an, an uncentered soul is like. And we can get this from these, from these verses. An uncentered soul, a soul not centered on God, struggles... To make decisions and even when it makes decisions it constantly questions whether it had made the right decision it lacks wisdom it lacks definitive wisdom it's hasty it, it, it jumps into things and makes messes of things why because it's driven by stuff other than itself it feels vulnerable to people and to circumstances. It lacks patience and it lacks wisdom. Here's the thing, we, we, we all feel like some of those at some point. The problem comes when we feel like that a lot of the time. That's a real warning sign that we've got a sinkhole building up. What else? Easily thrown. Why? Because you're not anchored to anything. You, you're unstable. You worry about and measure yourself by external things. You measure yourself by how you compare to the outer world. You're measuring yourself by the size and your ability to not drown too badly when the ball hits you. Life seems unpredictable and changeable all the time and you're always kind of running to catch up. But really at the heart of this, your life seems incomplete. It feels like there's something not quite right, right at the centre of you. And you end up majoring on what isn't right instead of what you have. And that's a major drive in so many people's lives, isn't it? Because everything 
in advertising so so on is geared to tell you what you don't have and you need to have in order to be okay and feel good about yourself and that that's the sign when we respond to that and we feel like that and we get all bothered about what somebody's life looks like on facebook that's not ours that's the sign that our soul's not centered on god Here's the thing, your, your soul has a need. You are responsible for looking after your soul. That need is to center your life on God. It's a really simple message. What's wrong with the world? People's lives are not centred on God. What's wrong with our society in the UK? People's lives are not centred on God. What's wrong, that thing you feel inside? It's telling you, your life's off centre. You need to centre on God. We are designed to be centred on God. Our soul will always be needy until it is centred on God. No matter anything we do externally, no matter with all those idols we fill it with, until we have God at the centre, we'll always be needy. And we won't feel right. But worse than that, we're heading for a sinkhole. So two questions to kind of have a think about this week. The first question is when we're going about things, and I, I don't claim to have got these off any great wisdom of my own, um, they're kind of inspired by um, a guy who wrote, um, called Brother Lawrence, who wrote uh, Practice in the Presence of God. And he, there's these two questions that are at the heart of that. And the first one is this, does the way I'm approaching this task in front of me help or hinder my connection with God? Does the way I'm approaching this life help or hinder my connection with God? And the second question is this. In this situation, any situation, because he used to stop at various points of the day to to really recenter his attention on God. In this situation, am I being thrown around by externals or is my inner world anchored at the centre? And they're really good questions to ask ourselves because the thing about falling and disappearing into sinkhole is you don't know till you've hit the bottom. And when you're down there, it's quite hard to dig your way out or climb your way out. You know, like, it's not, you know, like a Sunday school where the answer to everything is Jesus. Every question is Jesus, yeah? It really is the answer to every question. Because your soul, the most important part of you, the, the eternal part of you that needs, only has one answer to that question. 
which is to connect with God. Because that's how he breathes life into us. That's how our souls reintegrate. That's how we become living souls. Amen. Can I have the worship team back up, please? So, you know, we could do all sorts of things. You could try all sorts of things to make somebody's Christian life work or church life work or, uh, you know, solve all the church's problems and all those sort of things. But here's the thing. God really is... He's kind of a very simple God. I know he's amazing, but he's kind of a simple God because he tries to make it so we can understand. And his answer to everything is Jesus. His goodness, his greatness, his love. So the best thing we can do at any point in time, whatever the situation, whatever we're facing, whatever you're facing right now, the best thing you can do is centered back on God. And one of the best ways we can do that is worship. So let's stand, let's stand and let's just focus ourselves on God.